Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Broadcasted live from the Score Hyundai Studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It is Gabe Ramirez hanging out with you on a Friday. Bulls got spanked yesterday. Oh, man. It was bad. I told you, I try to stay up as late as possible. But sometimes when the games are blowout, you just you, you, you chalk up the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. You just, you got, they had it going in the, in the second quarter. Looked good. Just came out flat in that third. But, you know, when you hear news like Pat Wills gone for the season on top of Zach Levine, it's just, Nothing to really excite you, but there are a couple players on the team that, you know, maybe we can discuss with our next guest. Now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, CircaLasVegas.com, of course. You can catch him on the front office show, Lakers Nation. It's our guy. Welcome back, Trevor Lane. Trevor, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you for having me back on. So, First, I want to talk about the Lakers. I mean, I, 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 the Bulls are depressing me right now. I love them too much, so I could take a break from uh, for a second. I know you're hyped up on the Lakers and, and their push to get into the playoffs, but, you know, the teams that are behind them, they don't necessarily want to get in. So so, so they're, in a, they're in a pretty good space. So I think it comes down more to expectations. What, what are the expectations for the Lakers? Well, I think right now, and this is the case for a number of teams that are kind of in the, the Lakers range, that it's about trying to make this push into or out of the play-in tournament if they can, which will not be easy. The West has been very, very good, especially over the last few weeks. It feels like every West team just keeps winning and winning and winning. Um, and so they can't really seem to make up much ground there. But uh, the expectations for this team right now, I mean, they're sitting in the nine seed, so you can't be looking at them saying, okay, this is a, a championship favorite or anything like that. Currently, the hope is, number one, that you get guys healthy. They've been just besieged by injuries all season long. Pretty much all of their role players have been out for, for long stretches of time. So the hope is that you can get a healthy LeBron, healthy Anthony Davis come playoff time, and enough of the healthy other guys to really do something in the postseason and just say, you know what, if LeBron and AD are at 100%, then we've got a puncher's chance against anybody. So that's really the expectation for the Lakers right now, be able to get into the playoffs and then give anybody a tough out uh, in there. Because right now, you know, like I said, they're sitting in the ninth seed. They'd be a double elimination play-in team right now. So nobody's expecting them to be a, a championship-winning team this season at this point. We're talking to Trevor Lane here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez with you. 
And you mentioned it. I mean, if they do, in the assuming, let's just say this is the how the season ends. You know, you're facing a team getting in, and then you're you're looking at the Giants sitting atop the Western Conference right now, and that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm curious. You know, you you see a team like that, and you see them. Well, you know, you see teams like that year in and year out, right? In the NBA, teams that you know play really hard and might surprise you during the regular season. It even happened to the Nuggets the year before they won the championship. Um, when you see the Timberwolves, though. And you see the makeup of their team uh, with Anthony Edwards. Uh, when you, I, I guess my, my question to you is, like, are they for real in your mind? And if, if not, what are they missing? I, I think they are for real. I think defensively they're so strong there that, they are, uh, that they're going to be a difficult out. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, about uh, defense wins championships, right? And it's been that way for decades. And Minnesota has that. They're a very good defensive team. We saw it last year. We saw the makings of it. And now here they are. They're for real right now. As, are they really the best team in the Western Conference? No. I mean, I would still put Denver up there. I'd probably put the, even the Clippers ahead of them. They've been playing some really good basketball just because they have a little bit more playoff experience and veterans on their teams that, uh, that have been through it. But Minnesota is absolutely in the mix. I think they can. It wouldn't surprise me if they're the team that, that winds up representing the West in, in the finals. And so, this is a very, very good Minnesota team. They're very strong. I just don't think they are truly the number one team to come out of the West right now, even though they are the one seed. They've got a one-game lead right now over another surprise, and that's the Thunder. Yeah, and they're just playing well. Shea's playing is almost just some amazing basketball. Uh, but you mentioned it. You know, Minnesota giving up the fewest points you know, per game in the NBA, just playing really well. They're exciting to watch, that's for sure. The Western Conference, though, as a whole, Trevor, it's – I don't want to say scary because it's more entertaining than it is scary. You know, one through it, it is that deep, one through ten. Um, have you, in your recollection, you know, thinking back, you know, seen such a uh, seen the conference this strong from one through ten? Yeah, I mean, the West has been pretty strong for for quite a while now. Uh, one through ten, this many teams. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the table from last year and see if, if we had all ten teams that were in the play-in. Uh, above 500 like we do right now but uh, the west has a lot of depth they had depth last season and really you look at, at the west this year and you got to remember memphis really should be in the mix too but yeah. they had so many injuries and suspensions of things otherwise they would clearly uh, be a playoff caliber team as well so uh, the west we knew coming in we were talking about it last summer that this is a, a conference that has a ridiculous amount of depth that anybody can beat anybody on any given night and that's part of the reason why I think that, that the playoffs are going to be absolutely crazy in the Western crazy. Conference because there's just, there's no telling what's going to happen when you've got – I think it's going to be a lot of, of matchup. Matchups are going to determine who gets through more so than it's, you know, the two seed against the seven seed. The seven seed could definitely win in, in this year's Western Conference. That's a great point because when you're talking about sometimes matchups will kill you where you're built to perform at a certain level, but you're just going up against – maybe a team that is youthful and more energetic, faster, and that just happens to be, you know, your your, your weakness in your Achilles heel right here. Uh, we're talking to Trevor Lane, 670 to score, Gabe Ramirez. So before we go over to the Eastern Conference, so who do you think is going to come out of the West, honestly? You know, I, I still look at Denver, and I just see a team that can execute down the stretch. They're so clinical when it comes crunch time in a game. They know where to move the ball. They know where their shots are going to come from. And they can absolutely tear teams apart down the stretch. Um, they've got that championship experience. So until somebody dethrones them, I've got Denver as the top team to come out of the West right now. Still, even though they don't have the best record, they don't have the best point differential, I think come playoff time, they're going to be 
the team that everybody's got to go through. Tough one. Uh, tough to beat them in a in a uh, seven game series. That's going to be the key right there. A team that has championship pedigree, been up against the ball, and, and they they know how to get it done. Man, I, that's, that's a good choice right there. Like you said, until someone beats them. Now there are a couple teams in the East that most certainly feel like they're poised for a run to dethrone the Denver Nuggets. Most more importantly, the Boston Celtics sitting atop the Eastern Conference right now. They put it on the Bulls yesterday, and you know. In the middle of the game, you thought to yourself, "Okay, they're just a, they were they were a little too comfortable with their lead in the beginning in the first second quarter." Bulls kind of as they always do, playing a little harder. You know, defense kind of steps up where other teams feel like they're going to run away with things. But then the Celtics come back and do what they do. I mean, when you look at the amount of offense that they have, you know, when you're looking at Tatum, when you're looking at Brown, the addition of Porzingis, you know, you know, it just do do they look like the clear-cut favorite in the East to you, or do you see other teams posing a threat in the event that Philly gets Embiid back and Milwaukee figures out what the hell they're 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 doing up there in the North? No, I think that they are the the clear favorite. I mean, they have a seven-game lead over the the two seed, and that's the Cavs right now. So they are the the clear-cut favorite at this point. I think they're a great example of why teams are constantly looking for two-way players, guys who can play both offense and defense. Uh, which becomes extremely important come playoff time when teams have time to really dig into their matchups and then they can switch hunt players. It's hard to do that against this Boston team because if you look at their starting lineup, really their top six, all of them can contribute on both ends of the floor and they don't really have a guy that you're going to go after or target on either end. And and that's incredibly important. And so they're going to have a a big advantage. There's other teams that are going to try to get into the mix in the East, but all of them have a lot more question marks right now than certainly the Celtics do. So as much as it pains me to say it, I I think the path looks pretty clear right now for the Celtics to get through the Eastern Conference. There are a few teams that can certainly give them a run. And from a Lakers perspective, we're definitely hoping that they do give them a run uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's the last team that they want to see representing for the Eastern Conference. Um, all right, fine. Let's talk about the Bulls. Oh, it just hurts me so much. Trevor, who's your – is uh, the Lakers – I mean, was that like your favorite team growing up? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California okay. around the around the team. So they, that that has been my team okay. uh, from when I was a little kid. So you're, we're, this is the same, right? You and I were having this same feeling right here where, where I – what I'm feeling, you felt this before at some point because this is your home squad, the one that you cover. I'm sitting here covering the Bulls, and it pains me sometimes. It pains because I want – I just – I want to see something different, and there's no path for extreme change for the Chicago Bulls. And it's almost like you're living in Groundhog's Day with this with this situation that the Bulls are in right now. And it got worse, obviously, with the news that Patrick Williams, you know, out for the season, which some people thought could could have been the case. Uh, when you hear news like that, Trevor, when you think about the Bulls, the organization that it is, and the 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 what seems like cloud dark cloud that's over them with rain and hail coming down on them. How do you view the organization from from the outside looking looking from the West Coast? How do you see the Bulls? You know, I mean, obviously that Patrick Williams news is is terrible. Um, they've suffered a ton of injuries. You look at what's happened with uh, former Laker Lonzo Ball. Obviously, that's been you know extremely concerning. What's happened with with him? Hopefully, he's able to resume his career. Uh, next season, of course, Zach Levine, what's going on with him? This is a team that's been besieged with injuries, but uh, this is, uh, I'll be honest, and I don't mean to pile on or anything here. I know you're going through it with with Chicago. I don't understand what they're doing. It's the worst thing you can be in today's NBA is mediocre. You you need to either 
either bottom out, get a bunch of draft picks, get younger, and then try for it again, or go all in, make your moves, and and go for a, a win. And I don't think the Bulls are in the position to do that. They seem to be very much okay with, okay, we'll, we'll just make the play in, we'll get some playoff revenue from a couple of games or something, and then we'll look ahead to, to next season. I was very surprised that they didn't sell off some players at the trade deadline. They had a lot of teams that were interested in Andre Drummond, a number of teams interested in Alex Caruso, and I get he's part of their defensive identity and part of their heart. Uh, trust me, as a Lakers fan, I, I understand that, that mm. the connection to Alex Caruso, no question. Um, but uh, there was interest in, in their players on the trade market. DeMar DeRozan, uh, now you run the risk of losing him for nothing this summer if he leaves in free agency. So I, I was surprised that the Bulls didn't make some moves to trade away some players, pick up some draft picks, regroup, and, and get ready for a brighter future. Instead, they seem to be okay with just keeping the status quo, and that, that seems to be keeping them locked in where they're at, which is just not quite good enough. And And that's I've heard the frustration from a lot of Chicago fans, and, and I don't blame them because, it, to me, honestly, it doesn't make sense what they're doing. And I think more importantly, Trevor, on a national level, no one's taking the Bulls seriously because of the lack of moves. I mean, you brought up the Andre Drummond one. To me, I was pounding the table, and I love Andre. I love what he's. I love the fact that he's the probably second best backup center in the NBA that he's playing here for the Bulls, and he wanted to come back and such, but. You know, so often you hear about the lack of draft capital for the Chicago Bulls. Well, you had an opportunity to get a second-round pick at the very least, maybe two. You drafted Julian Phillips, a guy who's contributing to your team right now, someone who you're expecting to contribute for years to come. In the second round, you could have did the same thing if you had just done anything to just tell your fan base or your team that we're not going to accept the status quo. We're going to go do something, anything other than stand pat. And, and it's exactly what they did. So it's frustrating from, for me, for the fan base. And that's why I was curious, like, on a national level. And then it hurts your free agency, Trevor, because then it's like, who wants to come here? Who wants to come here and play, and play on a team where they know nothing is going to happen? That's the most frustrating part. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't help with free agents when they, it feels like the organization is okay with being where they're at when they're not going to make those moves. And uh, and it doesn't help with fans either because here here's the and here's the big issue right when we look across across the landscape for years the thought was well we can't bottom out because fans won't won't stand for that right fans will not tolerate losing that's no longer the case hmm. fans are more educated now than they ever have been they get it when teams decide that they're going to trade away some players get some picks. Uh, they might be bad for a couple of seasons. Fans will get on board with that. Hell, look what happened in Philadelphia with the process. This is a thing that fans will tolerate now. They'll tolerate losing if there is a purpose behind it. I don't know what the fear is in Chicago from doing that, uh, from from making that that move. It's not easy to say, hey, we're going to be bad for a little bit. But if that's going to increase your ceiling and and give you the ability to potentially have a, a team that you're really going to get the fans behind and you're really going to be proud of, well, it seems like it's something that you got to do, but they just don't want to rip off the bandaid and do it. And it may wind up happening to them regardless, just you're going to lose guys. Like if DeMar DeRozan walks away in free agency, Andre Drummond walks away, you lose guys for nothing anyway. So it's time. It's beyond past past time now for Chicago to to make these moves that you and and many other Bulls fans have been, been asking for. And at the very least, you know, as you mentioned, put yourself in a position to, you know, increase your ceiling. And, you know, with a guy like Cooper Flagg coming out next year, 
had you moved off of certain players on your team, maybe you could have been in a position, you know, next year to 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 then you know vie for a guy like that that can change your franchise. Where now, like you said, with the with those guys being there, like what's gonna happen? Like, like what do you think is gonna happen with Zach Levine in the off season? Yeah, I mean, with with the the surgery that he had, now you got to wonder: Are teams going to be willing to trade for him? Now he's got a number of years in her contract. That that actually scared off some teams at this year's trade deadline. But teams aren't going to get a chance to see him back out on the court. So, what kind of a trade asset is he if the teams made the decision that we need to move on from him? Which it did feel like they were making that decision this uh, this season. Now teams haven't seen him, so how confident are they going to be that he's going to return to full health? A lot of teams will prefer to see a guy back out on the floor, so does that then push Zach Levine back onto the Bulls roster next season and we're doing the whole thing again where come December, come January, there's questions about are they going to go ahead and finally move him, and he still has a number of years left under contract at a really high number. Uh, it's, I thought this was going to get to a resolution here this season that maybe they would find a way to move on from Zach Levine and and kind of push themselves in another direction. Doesn't seem like they're going to do that. And now with with this surgery recovery that he's going to have to undergo, I don't know how eager teams are going to be to trade for him this summer either. So this could push into next season now where we're still talking Zach Levine trades come uh, come the trade deadline next year. It's interesting to think about teams being hesitant because of you know the surgery that kept them out for the latter half of the season because that's something I know he championed for so to be taken care of so that he can play next year at a high level. But mm-hmm. in your mind, when you, when you look at Zach Levine, because I was big, saw him on the expressway here in Chicago. What's up, Zach? Hey, oh, man, it's crazy. Zach Levine, big fan. And I was one of the guys who's like, yeah, I, I think it should be his team, not DeMar's, et cetera. And then when he, I just felt like something happened. What, what do you think happened? What do you think stumped him from his continued growth? What we saw from him and how he was excelling at a high level. Like, what do you think stunted that? You know, I, I don't know if there's if there's particularly one thing. Like, injuries can obviously be a factor with a guy like him. The defensive side of the ball, I talked earlier about how important two-way players are in today's NBA, how critical that is. But I, I think that, that Zach, ultimately, he's just he's just not a 1A guy. He's not a guy that you're building your, your entire team around. Uh, if you want to get to you know the, the promised land, you want to get the, into the playoffs, you want to make a deep run, you want to get to a championship, I think he can be a very, very good player. Maybe he's a, a number two on a team somewhere. If, you, if he's your third best guy, you're feeling really good about things. But he's just not a, a 1A guy. And that's, uh, like I said, I think the defensive side of the ball does hold him back. And I bet he's a, a very, very talented scorer. And really there's nothing wrong with, with what he is as a as a player. Um, is he overpaid on his current contract? Probably a, a little bit. He's paid more like a one A guy would be, and that's just not what he was. But that's not easy to be. There's only a, you know a few of these guys that you really say are 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 top tier superstars that are going to you know drag a team to the postseason. And him not quite being in that tier, he's still an extremely extremely talented basketball player. So I mean, I know the Bulls need a guy to be that star. It's just not Zach Levine. He's just getting paid like he is. And so that's the, the challenge for them, building out this team moving forward. Trevor Lane, host of Lakers Nation in the front office show. All right, you got about 30, I got about 30 seconds left. Um, what, what do you think about Mac McClung being in a dunk contest? Honest opinions. Yeah, I mean, I like Mac McClung a lot. He's a guy that, that we had in L.A. for a, a little bit. He's 
Um, he's got he's got hops, man. I mean, he, can, he can get up. He's exciting. He's fun. I know the All Star Weekend was not super exciting overall uh, this year. I thought he was a little better in last year's dunk contest, but I like Mac McClung, and I like the idea that we can open it up to G League players. I don't have a problem with him being in the dunk contest. There should be a G League dunk contest in the in All Star Weekend, man. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that well, either. Mac McClung, a G League one. Yeah, yeah, because he, he he killed it. Obviously, he's an amazing dunker. And he's a good hooper. Obviously, I hope he gets to the league, you know, consistently. But I don't know. There's something icky about it, you know? I just want guys with regular jerseys that I get to watch on a daily basis try to outdunk each other. To me, that's just that's what I want. I wish it can go back to that essence. Yeah, you know, it, it's something that I think we are going to see all-star reform after what happened, what's happened across the board this year. So who knows? Maybe that's going to be a thing next year where, it just be, where they start to attract some of the top-tier guys. Jalen Brown did it this year. We'll see who does it next year. Trevor, appreciate your time, man. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Trevor Lane, host of Lakers Nation and front office show. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Trevor underscore Lane. He's just like you, except he likes the Lakers instead of the Bulls. Unless you're one of those people from Chicago that likes the Lakers. I have a couple of those in my circle as well. Do they like the Lakers or LeBron? Both. I have some friends that just like the Lakers because of Kobe. Right. And then LeBron got there, and they were like, eh, all right. But then I got some people that like LeBron, and they just follow me. All right. You just just discussed. I wanted to ask him about that a little bit. I wanted to rib him just a little bit about LeBron. Like, bro, do you really think LeBron's the best ever? You know? Because he's a Lakers fan. You go on his his Twitter. Trevor's Twitter thing, it's Kobe as his Twitter, uh, whatever that is, banner. It ain't LeBron. So I I wonder. Oh, call him back. Kobe or get LeBron? Him on the phone. Get, Kobe okay. or LeBron? I just curious. You just ask him over there. And we'll, we'll, I'll text we'll, him. We'll get the yeah, text him. We'll get the answer after the break. All right. Coming up after the break, before Hub Arkish, I wonder if Trevor Lane likes himself a little Kobe or a little LeBron better. And then Hub and I, we're going to get into it, talk about Justin Fields, the unfollowing of the Chicago Bears, and what he thought of it. We'll do that after the break. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Friday, live and local on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess mm. what? Every Bears post. It's either right. the draft, uh, follow. It's nah, either the it's field, see the draft, Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired yeah. of hearing the talk. We want like it's annoying. We want like it's just bro, like it's time. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 the score. Sometimes when you're having a conversation with your friends, you just let it rip. 
That's what it sounded like when Justin Fields was talking to the St. Brown brothers. Amon Ra. Ah, Equinemius. Why did we get the worst brother? <laughs> I'm just playing. He's actually really good. No, you're not. I, I know. I'm not actually. I actually genuinely, even his first year here with the Bears, I was pleasantly surprised with what he brought to the team. It was a level of toughness that didn't exist. And it just, he couldn't stay on the field. But I actually did like him as a guy who understood, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not the alpha. I'm, a, I'm an extra receiver. I block. I catch a little bit. I do, do some things. And I actually like the Q. It has zero problem with him. Um, but I, I do want to ask our next guest about what uh, Justin was saying on the podcast. Uh, so joining us right now on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline, download that Circus Sports app today. He's our senior NFL analyst. On 670 to score, good friend of my show, of the show, Hub Arkish. Hub, happy Friday. Thank you, Gabe. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. I'm hanging in there. And I'm, uh, I, I, was, I wasn't doing well a couple of days ago when this news came out just because, I don't know, man. As a, as, a, as a young man that I am, I know what this means in my world, right? So when the unfollowing happened, I just, it, it felt icky, right? It just felt messy. And I didn't, wanna, didn't necessarily want to be a part of it. Then he comes out and says exactly what it was. What was your initial thoughts when you heard it? Not much, to be honest with you, Gabe. I guess I'm on the other side of this as an old man. I can tell you that, uh, you know, I don't blame him. I mean, it, it's enough already. We've been talking about nothing but Justin Fields for going on two years now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like almost 50-50 with people who totally believe in him or people who don't believe in him at all. And, you know, he's hearing about where he's going to play and live and and possibly move and, and and it's all anybody talks about, and and I think all he was saying was I've had enough. I need a few a uh, month or two off. You know, uh, I really wouldn't make anything more of it than that. I don't think it'll have anything to do with what the Bears decide to do with him. And uh, I think it was kind of what you said at the top, just him with a couple buddies, just you know being honest and, and saying, hey, I've I've had enough. Leave me alone for a couple of days. All right. So then, what did you think about Shane Waldron when he talked about when they asked him about Justin Fields and in, in, in his evaluation? He's like, well. I've been more busy getting my coaching staff together and this other thing, and then I'll do that. It's like, what? You didn't have an evaluation of Justin Fields? Well, yeah, but again, Gabe, I think you got to be careful here because he has to be careful on what he says and the impact that it might have Fair. on the head coach or, or, or the general manager, you know, and, and he, he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. He's He was one day – I was there yesterday. He was one day into the job. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think he has a lot to learn about Justin Fields. And uh, I'm, I'm sure he already has an opinion. I'm sure he probably already has a thought about what he might like to do. But it wouldn't make any sense to say it in public. And, and so, again, it's just it's everybody just refusing to have patience and, and refusing to understand that this is going to take at least two months. You know, it's going to take another couple of weeks before free agency takes off and two months before the draft. And, and, and everybody has to understand that anything that anybody with the Bears says can be taken in certain ways, and it could hurt their, their assets. You know, it could hurt their ability to make a trade. It could hurt their, uh, the belief in them if they don't make a trade. You know, so uh, it's just we just have to find a way to, to try and evaluate the talent, to talk to people who know more about the talent than we do, and then to hope that they get it right. Hub, but, but I guess my question there is then why have the press conference? Right. I mean, you, you, you've already waited ample amount of time. You, if you don't want people talking, if you don't want to, to you know, let, allow people to read between the lines, then why have the press conference at all? 
because the media had to meet the new offensive and defensive coordinators. They're, they're the second and third most important coaches on the team. And, and we hadn't met them, you know, we had to hear what they had to say about themselves, uh, about where they think the team is at, not just about Justin Fields, you know, or, or just about what you're going to do at quarterback. And uh, they had to have the press conference. You know, they just hired two new G, uh, uh, you know, not general managers, but, but two new, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And it was to meet the media. It wasn't to give anybody any answers as to what they were going to do in the draft or in free agency or what they're going to do with Justin Fields. So uh, how do you think Eberflus did at the pressure? Because he looked different, had himself a nice little beard, little mustache, had a little 2024 flus going on. But he, but for me, what I took away from him is that not, not the, it, he didn't seem different. And I love that. I love that about him because that's what I liked about flus from the beginning. Gabe, it's funny that you that – I'm glad I wasn't the only one who noticed that. I didn't recognize him at first. He looked that different to me. Um, and I, and I, I realized fairly quickly it was him. But uh, I, I embarrassed myself a little bit. I told him who I was when I walked up to the to the podium, and he knew who I was. But I just wasn't sure who he was. Uh, he's got a new hairdo, and I think that was the biggest part of it, you know. But he sounded exactly the same. Uh, he, he said, you know, all the right things about all the new people he's hired. And then he got up and walked out of the room and let them take over. And, uh, you know, I think that's the way it's going to be until we get to training camp or at least until we get to, to OAs and whatever else we're going to see. But uh, they had to have the press conference, but it wasn't to answer questions about Justin Fields or where Justin is at. We're talking to Hub Arkish here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez hanging out with you. Hub, you've, you've covered a lot of coaches here in Chicago, specifically for the Bears. When you're thinking about flus and, you know, bringing on new staff after having, you know, being, you know, being kept by the general manager, where he's at, everything in your little in, in your world. What are your expectations of Eberflus in, in, in terms of growth? Right. Because, like I said, putting it against other coaches like you should say, just OK, well, at this point, I, he should be here. I should expect this in your mind. What does that look like? Well, you know, if you're talking about growth as, as a coach, yeah. I, I think that he had, a, he had a, a good second year. I think he had a really good second half. I think he he, he handled everything, you know, uh, with respect and 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 was careful not to say the wrong things. He did say a lot of the right things, but more importantly, it was the improvement the team showed in the second half of the season that I think really mattered. And, and so um, – you know, let, let's be honest. I mean, you got to go back to Mike Ditka. Uh, I mean, I, I think Wani was great. I, I think they've had a few good coaches. Um, but uh, with the Bears history at quarterback and at coach and, and at playoffs and at Super Bowl, it's just not a good, you know, 30, 40 years. And, and, but we have to do the hardest thing, both as media and as fans. We have to put all that aside and just focus on what they're doing right now and whether it's working or not, whether it looks like it's pointed in the right direction. And what I, the way I saw him handle that season after the 0-4 start uh, and then the improvement that they showed the rest of the way, uh, I think he had a pretty good second year. I, I've said it with you a number of times. There, I never doubted they were bringing him back, nor that they should, and they absolutely should and did the right thing. But this is the big year now. Year three, if, if year three starts like year two, then it's going to get ugly. Or, or if they don't <laughs> improve significantly in year right, three, right. then you're going to be looking at a new coach next year. But I think with what they did at the end of year two, I think they've done most of the right things so far. Yeah, I can't, I can't deny it. Things that I things that they're doing, it seem they continue to seem like the right thing, Hub. Whether it's the coach, 
whether it's the trading of the first pick last year to evaluate Justin Fields, whether it's, you know, the, the coy nature of whatever it is that they're doing right now to not tip their hand. I think everything they've been doing is right. And I'm just, I'm still, I don't know why I'm still nervous, Hub. I'm still, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I know why you're still nervous. I know why everybody's still nervous. You know, people have to realize that what Poles did last year is what made this year so promising, what he got by trading that first round pick. And, and, and I think that you have to continue to remember that. And and I hope that, that I'm sure that Ryan and, and Matt will, and, and I'm sure the organization will. But that's why I continue to stay right where I've been all along. I think they need to trade it again because I think they can get so much for it. And it's nothing against Caleb Williams. It's not even doubts about it. I don't know enough about Caleb Williams yet. I think anybody who thinks that the Bears have already made a decision just doesn't know what they're talking about. They haven't been to the combine yet. You know, They haven't sat with this kid in person yet. Um, and they need to find out a lot more about him as well as three or four or five other quarterbacks. And then they have to decide, you know, it, it, taking Caleb Williams at number one is like giving up what another team would give up to trade for him. And, and, and I think you'd be pretty upset if they, not, not you, but I think, you know, fans in general would probably be somewhat upset if they did that. If all they got was Caleb Williams and knowing what the odds are of him becoming a franchise quarterback when they could have gotten so much more with those assets, that's how I've kind of been focused on this thing. Now, once we get to the combine, we get a better look and we get to see him work out and the team gets to talk to him. Then we'll have a better feel for how comfortable you can be with Caleb Williams. But how can they be comfortable with him now? They haven't really had a chance to, to, to monitor him yet. Yeah, it was interesting to hear Shane Waldron talk about Caleb Williams and you know his level of familiarity with him from being in the in the in the West Coast and obviously the Pac-12 being out there. Spoke, you know, we talk about not tipping your hand and, and him not wanting to speak about Justin Fields, but he sure did have a lot to say about Caleb Williams. Well, but but again, you know, Gabe, what what's the big picture? Is that because he really wants the Bears to draft him, or is that because he's trying to help his team trade up the trade value? Again, we just, you know, you great have point. to look at, it's a great point. you have to look at both sides of what they're doing here, you know, and, and, and that's why I measure a lot of this on how they're handling it and what the results have been. Now, we don't have any results yet from free agency or the draft this year, so it's going to be a couple months. But, um, you know, relative to that particular question, um, he'd be nuts not to talk of Caleb Williams, either in case they take him or in case they trade the pick, because you want to talk him up and make that pick as valuable as possible. I hear, you know, a fair amount of people who I trust talking about getting three number ones, not two number ones, wow. plus another two, you know, and, and whatever. And, and, you know, if, if, if the commanders... Uh, or the Patriots, or, or somebody feels that strongly about them already, fine, let them make the trade uh, and let them give the Bears uh, a lot of assets that they can use to possibly still get their franchise quarterback and get two or three other franchise players at other positions that they need help at. Yeah, and that's why the Combine is so valuable, not only for the Chicago Bears to accumulate information about the top quarterbacks in the draft, but also so that other teams can begin to salivate over these guys and maybe potentially up their price. All right, Hub, before I let you go, Cody Bellinger's still not a cub. Are you sweating? <laughs> Are you sweating over there or what? I'm not because he's not anything else yet either. You know, I mean, <laughs> the, the top four free agents are all still out there, you know, and, and, and as near as I can tell from, from doing some homework, 
None of them have been offered 200 million yet, you know, and, and the question was how far over 200 million were you going to have to go to get Cody and, and, you know, paying 177 for, for Swanson, who is arguably still going to be the number one guy on that roster. Even if they sign Bellinger, they're going to be a close one and two, or maybe tied for one. Um, but uh, it's just where the market is at right now. I, I, I think uh, Boris has got to be the, the most nervous person because <laughs> he's got That's all so four true, of huh? out there. Uh, of, of course he's nervous. He's playing this this this, this game of, of uh, chicken and <laughs> with all these different players, and he's not winning on any of the situations, so he's sweating. No, but, but you know, Gabe, what he is is he is very good at this. <laughs> you know? Very true. And, and I think he knows what he's doing, and, and – um, you know, I, I still, it just, to me, it makes too much sense for Cody Bellinger not to be a Chicago Cup. You know, I, I just don't see how it's going to end up going otherwise, unless another team gets crazy. You know, if there's another team that is willing to come up with 240, 250 million right now, they can probably have them tomorrow. Uh, but, but what we have learned is that there's no other team willing to do that right now either. That's right. It's hub, man. Great stuff as always. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Dave. Take care, buddy. Hub Arkish, our guy here at 670, the score, of course, our senior football insider. Ah, I knew he was going to be hyped up about Belly. Because he, but he's a great, he's like, I'm not bummed out because he's not playing for somebody else yet. I guess when I think about Cody Bellinger and the situation, like, I get it. If you trust Scott Boris, he's the best of the best, right? So you're, you're saying, hey, I trust you. I know you're going to give me this money. I'm going to sit back in my house. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to go to spring training. I'm, I'm a veteran already. Things like that. Like, he is the man. So you do have to trust him. But if he really wanted to be a Cub, I guess, you know, you would have said yes to some number already. You would have, you would have just kicked the door open and be like, man, you know what? Whatever. Give me 185 instead of 200. You know? Something like that. But where are the Cubs at? People saying Belly wants 200. What do the Cubs want to offer? Put that out there. You want transparency? I want to hear that. Right? Let us know where you're at. Then we could put some real pressure on Belly. Or pressure on the organization to up, up the offer. All right. There is a promo being played currently on 670 The Score that I have, have a dispute with. I'm not going to debate it. My name ain't Danny Parkins, but I'm going to give you my, my take. Has to do with the Chicago Bulls and has to do with a member of the morning show. What is the clip and what is my rebuttal? You're here before we get out of here. Next on 670 The Score. Basically an explanation of your Chicago Bulls and it is now your Chicago White Sox. Right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Cut the part down to Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. I just don't hear that part. I like hearing David Hall say that. It's Gabe Ramirez. Got about five minutes left. Going to be hanging out with you guys here. And let me know when you got it. We got Alice Kuhn producing today. Yeah, play it whenever. Play it whenever. Play it four or five times. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. I struggle with that statement often. This is my final thought. I feel like Jerry Springer. This is my final thought. I struggle with that when I hear people say it, and I understand. He outright said it, right? Close enough where, you know, you're there, the fans are in, but you never went, like that kind of stuff. I get that. But do you really think in your heart of hearts 
that if you had a conversation with Jerry Reinsdorf, you got it? Right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. Oh, man, play, throw that in during the next four minutes whenever you want. Alex Kuhn, awesome job cutting that. If you were to have a conversation with Jerry Reinsdorf, if you were to pour a little bit of whiskey, a little Basil Hayden, neat. I don't know if he drinks, but just assuming. And you're like, Jerry, bro, tell me the truth. You don't want to win, man. You think he's going to be like, nah. Right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. Right. You think that? You think he's going to say, yeah, Gabe, you know, I just, no, I don't want to win. It's silly. Of course he does. And then when it talks about, like, the money. And I'm not trying to make, I'm making zero excuses for Jerry Reinsdorf. I am on board with the South Loop Stadium. Got to be honest. As a Sox fan, I'm on board. And I do understand what he says if you want to compete. Compete is just a franchise. You got to be sexy. The White Sox are not sexy right now. And it's cool, and they haven't been. Good guys wear black. That was the sexiest era for the White Sox. Does he want to win? Yes. Who goes into business to lose money? And I know he makes it profit sharing. I get it. Sports econ. Did that class. But you think that Jerry Reinsdorf, let's just do some simple math here. Let's just say he has way more than this. But let's just say he has $200 million, Right? He's way more than that. But let's just say he has $200 million. You think he's pressed about making another twenty? No. He's really out here trying to make smart business decisions. They're not going. It's not going well. We wish he would reach into the pockets. But I have. I take issue again with the fact that he doesn't want to win. Right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to win. Listen, David Hall. He does want to win. He's just not good at it. sad isn't that sad he wants to he's just not good at it he just doesn't know how to he's hiring he's hiring he's running a business and he's hiring people as if it's a business right so how about jerry reinsdorf doesn't want to win as much as he wants to make a billion dollars no jerry reinsdorf doesn't want to win if it means firing people that he likes to work with, if it means bringing in some a-hole that's going to change the culture, he's not willing to compromise that. And I understand. I don't agree with it. Zero. Because if I want to win, my approach is different, especially if I'm that far removed from things. But clearly that's what it is. Chris Getz being moved up. Kenny Williams being around forever, Ozzy being brought back, Tony LaRusso still being around. It, it's literally, and as it's, again, I'm not, I'm not hating that much. Because if it was my team and I purchased the squad for a couple mil and that was worth a bill, I, you, I'd be like Kanye West, you cannot tell me nothing. And I don't care what you say. So I get it. I get his thing. But again, he most certainly wants to win. Right. Jerry Reinsdorf doesn't want to yes, win. Yes, he does, David Hall. Play the theme music, ladies and gentlemen. I'm up out of here. I got to go. Got a busy weekend ahead of me.
got gymnastics at 8 a.m. with my daughters in Oak Park. The uneven I, bars? She actually does. She, they put her on the uneven bars. My, That's impressive. My one daughter is, like, wildly athletic. Wildly, where it blows my mind. The other one is wildly strong, but not as athletic, but just wildly strong. Anyway. Got to thank my guests for today. Bob Nightingale, Trevor Lane, Hub Arkish. Want to thank Alex Kuhn. You got plenty of drip. <laughs> I love that. Can you play that again? That's great. Got to shout out Alex Kuhn for producing You today. got plenty of drip. <laughs> yes, he does. Want to thank Clint Klaus for chipping in today. My guy. We love having you here, man, at 670 to score. All right. Mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time, which in this case, Sunday, I'm filling in for Alyssa Bergamini. So I'll be doing Bulls basketball on Sunday. Holla at me. Why? Because you can catch me every B96, 12 to 5, then Bulls game at 5.45. That's why I was playing the Chuck Drop. I was talking yeah, to you. Exactly. I knew what you were doing there. All right, I'm out. Have a great weekend. 670 the score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.